movies. I'm one of your co-hosts from Sunny. I'm your other co-host, Sam. Long-awaited Attack on Titan revisit review. Um, obviously, season four premiered over the weekend. I think people are still kind of catching up on it. I haven't seen quite as much like talk about season four online and whatnot. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm not really on Twitter all that much. But um, we're going to recap seasons one through three, kind of review it, discuss how we saw the series when we first saw it, um, how it sort of hit us on this rewatch. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to get into uh, season four, episode one. This episode, I mean, this this episode of the podcast is pretty much spoilers for Attack on Titan, seasons one through three, as well as that premiere episode of season four all the way throughout. But I think Sam and I would probably both agree in a non-spoiler sense for anybody that hasn't seen the series that this is, this is up there in terms of elite anime. It's really, really great. It, um, I think it's as a concept, it might be a little weird to some, but once you get into it, it's really, really easy to get into. I've, I've seen a lot of like non-anime watchers, including friends and family who got really into the series. And then as a result of that, got into anime because of this series. Um, I don't know if you've seen the same as like the more hardcore anime fan. Um, no, not really. I think most of the people I know that I've seen on Attack on Titan are usual anime watchers. There's one friend of mine I'm trying to get into the show and another friend, I, I don't know how he react to it because he didn't, he had a he had a weird reaction to Game of Thrones considering its violence and all that. So I don't know how he'll react to it. But another friend who's actually getting into anime, like he's like he watched like a, a Hunter Hunter recently. He's like watching Dragon Ball from the from the very beginning. Wow. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get him into watching these like shorter shows instead of him tackling like these 500 episodes shown in TV series. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe I'll get him to see it and see see his reaction. But as of right now, most people I know. Or anime watchers have seen the show. Yeah, anybody that I've talked to also like nobody has disliked this show like to an extent. Uh, like, well, yeah, we have, oh, we have really? one friend. We have oh, one friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess you, I guess you're right there. But like, I don't even know if it's a dislike. It's just not. It's not liking it as much as everybody yes, else. Yes, yes, at yeah, the very least. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody that I've introduced this show to, and everybody that's like you know brought this show up to me first has like raved about it absolutely loved it's, it and it's mamadou guys it's mamadou yeah it's mamadou spoiler, spoiler <laughs> alert the, the former guest uh, of the show um will maybe redact those episodes that he was on just because <laughs> of that and i think that's a good place for us to get into this series um but let's just i mean let's just kick it off however like actually before we get into like you know the nitty-gritty of the episodes this was a rewatch for both of us i'm curious for you sam was this like your first time rewatching it all the way through um any any like because I, I myself had seen season one twice prior to this, but I, this was my first time revisiting seasons two and three. Yeah, we were in freshman year of college when this uh, the first season came out. And I think when I started watching, it was five episodes. And like when my cousin of mine, who is like insane, like he's seen like 500 fucking shows of anime. He's like, Yo, <laughs> Sam, like go watch this show called Attack on Titan. I think you'll like it. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. And then like I was watching it week to week from then. So I haven't seen it repeatedly since then. I've only, the only season I've seen twice is actually three times now is season three uh, episode or part one of season three okay um and we had i guess you were you were watching it sort of week to week like you said freshman year of college i i've told you this story um i like binged the season in two days during exam week like it was yes, my, yeah, it was supposed yeah, to be my yeah, stress relief that. yeah it, it was supposed to be my stress relief and then i ended up just knocking the entire thing out in two days not studying for the exam that i had on that monday but i think it was pretty worth it 
And then I actually revisited season one not too long after that. I had a lot of my cousins over to show them the show. Some of them had seen it, some of them hadn't. And we binged the entire first season over a weekend again. So the first season, the first two times I watched it, like I watched it twice over the span of four days, which is kind of insane. Um, but I, I think it's just a testament to how good this show is. And, and that first season in particular, and like we can start by talking about that first episode. This might be of any tv show not just anime not just animation but of any tv show this may be my favorite pilot episode ever yeah yeah i'm, I'm with you there like everything is op- operating at full capacity it's like the the animation is incredible it's like the stakes are high the the music is incredible in this show and it's like it just hits hits the ground like sprinting not running sprinting like it's all all the way you know it even doesn't even let in the second episode like it goes balls out at the first episode yeah and when you say like it hits the ground running like it really does and it said like the first episode does such a good job of setting the stage for what the series is going to be because it has it starts with the quieter moments um sort of exploring the friendship between aaron armin and uh mikasa and then it expands into this balls to the wall crazy massive destruction gory violent like just like just de- demolition of this entire se- uh, city. And, and I think that it just does a, such a good, like you're in or you're out, I think from the first episode. Yes. And, and it yes. seems like it really hooks people by the way, you know, it ends the first, that first episode with such a massive like moment where the mother dies. Like you don't really expect them to kill off the protagonist's mother in the first episode. And like the father's disappeared. Like it just spins this massive, massive mystery that keeps you guessing in just 20 minutes or so of content. I don't think there's any other series that's done that so effectively. I have a rule when I'm watching anime shows is like, if I'm, if I don't like it within three episodes, I don't like it or I won't watch it. Like, but like with attack on Titus, like right at the offset, I love the show at the first, you know, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember your tweet. You were doing your, your Twitter thread. Uh-huh. And you said, like, these are 20-minute episodes. But you said, like, the last 15 minutes of this episode. Like, that's the entire episode, Raj. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that, that's that's how good that first few minutes of setting up, like, the friendship and the characters is. Is, like, it makes you feel like you've spent so much time with these characters. And really, you've only spent somewhere between five and seven minutes, ex- like, understanding who they are and where they I, come from. I'll say, I'll say it real quick. I think, like, it's just a common stereotype now that anime does are just pieces of shit in every single anime show like yeah. they're either deadbeats or they're dead yeah honestly <laughs> it, but like I, I, this do you think this show sort of fr- set a framework because like i mean if we're looking at the timeline like this first season premiered seven years ago right 2013 mm-hmm. i believe it was so like do you think yeah. this sort of set any terms of like especially with this opening episode do you think it sort of set a framework for some of the animation that, or anime that's come after it um i would say in in terms of how it's influenced the industry i would say more of how people have perceived anime as a whole like they could see it as something that you know it's like this is directed towards a more adult audience it's directed towards more people who like like serious storytelling and it's created like essentially like a boom essentially and brought people into the fold and made them watch anime more like i most of the people i know more recently now tell me that the first anime that they watched is Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say anything that it's influenced anything in terms of the, the genre itself, but more in terms of how it's influenced outside of the genre. And it's interesting that you say that because this show certainly reinvigorated my love of anime because yeah. I, I was, you, um, you know, like I grew up watching, you know, your sort of typical stuff that would show up on Toonami, like, you know, your Pokemons, your DBZs, all that sort of stuff. And then I got into mm-hmm. Naruto eventually. And Naruto was really the only anime that I watched throughout after, you know, DBZ had ended and uh, Pokemon, you know, had kind Kind of left that behind in like middle school or whatever naruto was really the only one that i was watching up and through college and then when i got into this one this is what like really like sparked 
you know me to go watch Death Note, Full, Full Metal Alchemist, like all these popular anime that people were talking about that I hadn't visited because the popular of, starter ones. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like this very much did that for me, and I think this first episode, like you know, we're, we spend a lot of time on it, but it just it's, it sets that stage in such an incredible way. Um, I, I just love raving about this episode because I love it so much. And you mentioned the music. I, mean, I don't want to go too long without mentioning here in Hiroyuki <laughs> Sawano's music, like. The, the soundtrack, the score for this show is, it might, be my, favorite, it might be my favorite part of this entire show is the score. Like I could just listen to that thing nonstop. It it's, is it's, so good. It's classically influenced and I don't think I can pinpoint off the top of my head because I'm really into it. Like I've seen a lot of anime shows. I can't really think of ones that have mirrored the same kind of execution that someone did with uh, Attack on Titan. So he's, he's, basically, he's basically God. Like <laughs> I, I, I really like, I, I think this like, might be my favorite score of anything. Like I'm, the I'm only, sure. the only composer I can think of who's like scored anime, um, like movies or TV shows that Hisashi. comes to mind. Hisashi. Yeah. For, there's like stuff with uh, Miyazaki and, G- and Ghibli. But it's a different type. Like this is yes. like epic. Like Hisashi's is like beautiful. This is like epic and intense. Yes, yes exactly. And, and yep. I mean, from the, and it's not like, you know, the tracks don't really change all that much. There's a lot of repetitive music, but it just used so perfectly in the context of all the scenes that it fits. It fits so well. And it continues to be just as like sort of goosebump inducing all the way throughout this, all the way throughout these three seasons. And that's what I love about it. Um, let, let's move a little bit. And, and like you said, it doesn't really like, it doesn't really let up after the first episode. And that's another thing that I love about this show is that it just keeps pushing our characters up against a wall. Um, and most of the time, like you're like, you know your characters are going to get out of the situation because they're the protagonist, but because like this show killed off the mother in the first episode, pushed the characters up against the wall with the armor Titan in the second episode. And then like you, you transition into episode five, which is like another sort of ball drop where you think like, Oh, this is a sort of change of pace for the series. You know, <laughs> oh they're, my God. they're like graduating the Academy. They're going to become warriors. Everybody's feeling hopeful. Aaron's giving that speech. And then, and then the colossal titan disappears behind him, and then he dies. And it's just like, what is going on? And it's like this is all within the span of the first five to seven episodes. And it's just like, it's so insane and so baffling. And people compared it to Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones had done all the red wedding and stuff like that, like up until and obviously the killing of, of Ned Stark up until that point. But like this show kind of does it in a different way. I, I don't know if you agree with me or not. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I literally thought that Aaron died in the first, first yeah. fifth episode. Like yeah. he got swallowed by that Santa Claus Titan, <laughs> trying to save Armin from being swallowed, and then he just like was like, "What the fuck just happened?" And then, like the episode ends, and like, um, yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's where so, you want to score like like just that that score, that dreadful score is just so so good. I love it so much in that moment. Uh, I don't, do you have any other like thoughts on, on these first few episodes that we might have skipped over? Because th- there's yeah, a lot yeah. of content to cover, and so well, yeah, so I mean. I think the best parts of that season is it's the fact that it, it has the benefit of being the first season. So it has like all, it has like set the story. It has to set the, set the background of the story and set the characters. And like, we're introduced to like a lot of fun people in the, like the third episode, I believe it was when they get into the Academy. Yeah. Like we get introduced to like Sasha, Sasha's uh, uh, Jean, Connie, Reiner, Bert- Berthold, mm-hmm. like all these fun characters that we get to like grow and love throughout the series. And, you know, they set them up very well because the dynamics between like, especially like between like Aaron and John who like, completely hate each other yeah and that first third in that third episode was like really fun to watch yeah i love the dynamic of all the characters and it is like sort of a moment of levity dropped in the middle of all this drama and catastrophe and it is nice to get the moments of levity and we we get a few more of those throughout the series 
but like I, I think why this show works so well is this continual drama like those moments of levity are so few and far between but they come at like just the right moments but like it's still like the, w- the way i was saying like it pushes the characters up against the wall it sort of pushes you up against the wall as a viewer because you're just like on edge the entire time you don't really know what ha- is going to happen and like it sort of spins again like off you know those first five to seven episodes and then you realize aaron is not really dead but he's a titan and i think that's such an interesting sort of pivot for the series for it to come so early in the series and then for them to pivot in such a way where it's like (laughs) you know this guy is basically like all i want to do is kill titans i want to get revenge i I need to end this sort of quote-unquote race of beings whatever they are um and then he becomes one the grappling with that and i actually like on this most recent rewatch i really had an appreciation for aaron's journey and sort of you know discovering that phase of his life and how it spins out into the next couple of seasons. I really, mm-hmm. I actually like more than anything on this rewatch, I began to appreciate that decision more than anything else. Right in, right in that moment when it's revealed, even before it's revealed that Aaron's the Titan, um, he, there's a moment where like Mikasa is just by herself. She's running away from the Titan. She doesn't have her gear. Her gear's broken. And like at that moment, you think she's going to die like as, as Aaron did. And out of nowhere, we see this, like this long haired wide grin Titan. Yeah punch another titan in the face like he completely ignores mikasa mm. in that moment did you think he was just like some weird abnormal or yeah. did you think there was something more to the character to that to that titan yeah so that's like at the end of episode six right so aaron dies at the end of episode five i believe that titan shows up at the end of episode six after mikasa has been like thrown seven, against the wall seven. seven okay thanks so, so at the end of episode seven so you go a couple episodes spending time with the other characters and then yeah mikasa's like sort of you you think that she's gonna die next because you're right. like they've killed up Aaron now they're gonna kill off her like there's not gonna be any main characters left. Um, I had no idea that that was Aaron. I, I, had, I had absolutely no idea, and that's like that's the thing about this series is like the twists you don't see them coming. Oftentimes, even though twists can be good in certain series, um, one that I'm sort of thinking of that we talked about recently was Erased. I saw it coming from like the first episode um, <laughs> what the twist was gonna be, and it just didn't really catch me off guard. Every single turning point, especially in this first season, I think this first season has more twists and turns than any of the other seasons none of them i saw coming each and every single one of them surprised me i think the, one of the funnier ones happens in season two but before we get into season two i want to get into uh, another character that we haven't really talked much about we've talked about you know the form- formidability of mikasa and aaron being the main character and his mm-hmm. twists and turns but mm-hmm. armin has a really great characterization even in the first season because yeah after he's, it's revealed that aaron is a titan um people see that happen like the other 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 like troops and like recruits and people within the regiment see him coming out of like the out of like the like the fog uh, of 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 his titan form well, real quick there was a trivia thing when he's training in the montage like episode three he hits his head on on, on a branch or, or a tree mm-hmm. and you see steam coming out of his head so oh, right there really? right there you should have known that he was a titan but um so he they, they see him become coming out of this titan he's like he's like out of sorts and you know when he when he comes to he is uh surrounded by Pixis and Pixis and his men, I think it was, and um, yeah, they're all like, he's a titan, mm-hmm. he he's he's the enemy, we have to kill him. Mm-hmm. But you know, the not not much happens in the episode outside of Armin, you know, using his his brain to convince these people that Aaron's on their side, and yeah. having him on their side is like a great asset to you know, saving humanity essentially. I think that's something great from Armin's character because you know we have Mikasa, she's formidable we have Aaron he ha- he has the titan power he's the main character mm-hmm. and then we have Armin who is the brains of the operation the brains, essentially yeah Armin's arc is incredible when you consider the seasons one through three and, and we'll get into three season three in a few minutes but but you're, what you're saying that's another thing that I really sort of 
like wrapped around on this particular rewatch was like how good they sort of set that up from the get-go and it's easy to sort of get lost in Armin because like you know he has that like annoying scream when Aaron gets eaten and whatnot and like (laughs) I think pretty quickly they try to like set you know they set him up as this sort of like wide-eyed like naive child and then he's like scared but then like you're saying like so quickly they pivot on the catch yeah he comes yeah he comes in at that moment and like that 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 mentality and that knowledge that he displays under pressure in that moment like not you know having very little time to react that like sort of build what his character is going to become in such an essential way down the road and i love the fact that they set it up here in like episode eight or nine or whatever and that was something that i really didn't like pick up on until this most recent rewatch and um and i really really appreciated that like it, one thing that I wish season one had given us more of was the troops, um, in particular mm-hmm. Levi and Erwin, because those two characters are so, so good. Um, and, and in a way, I guess season one kind of just feels like a prequel to the series as a whole. Um, I, I feel like seasons two and three feel a bit more of one piece. Season one kind of feels like its own entity. Did you feel that at all in this watch? Um, no, not really. I feel like, you know, seasons one and part two of season three are like one of a whole because we get all the setup. We get like the intrigue of the basement and Aaron being a Titan and the uh, the eventual goals of the, of the Scott regiment. But then once we get to seasons two and season three, part one, I feel like it kind of spins this wheel a little bit. But before we get into that, I just want to get real quick. Um, the, the big reveal being that Annie herself is a Titan too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's trying to, um, you know, take Aaron, for whatever reason, at that point, when you're watching the show, you have no clue what her goal is or, you know, why she's able to have such, you know, control over her Titan as opposed to Aaron, who is somebody who, like, just realized that he is a Titan. And, you know, that moment where, like, they're walking within, like, the inner wall with Annie and, like, they're trying to, like, lead her into, like, that tunnel. Yeah. We get another great moment of both Armin and Mikasa. Like, Armin's, like, the one who creates this whole plan together. He's the one who, like, pinpoints... Uh, Annie being a, another Titan, someone who who is a human who can become a Titan and control the Titan or whatever it is, and like because of what happened in the forest and you know her trying to take over Aaron's body and all that. So there's just that moment. I just wanted to know, did you come to the same conclusion or like that moment where like she's like standing over like the little well that they're gonna go into? What do you think that was gonna happen then when they're like? just about as she's about to transform yeah i like i picked up on it like two seconds before like the show sort of revealed it the first time that i watched it because because i remember that episode opens and it's like her living her day like in her life sort of being you know with the military police in the city and i'm like oh are they doing like a sort of switcheroo here where they're gonna like you know give us a one-off and then they're gonna connect (laughs) some dots and then like when in particular when they're standing at the stairs and I'm like, okay, something feels off here. That's when I sort of connected the dots. And it goes back to that moment in the woods where like, you know, Aaron obviously realizes something about the female Titan, but they don't reveal, they later reveal it's the fighting stance, but they don't reveal it yes. at that moment, right? When she knocks yes. off his head. Yeah. And I sort of connected the dots there because like, Aaron and Annie have a pretty interesting relationship early on in the series. And it was like one of those things where like a hundred thoughts hit your head at once. And somehow you process everything in the span of like five (laughs) seconds. And you're like, Oh, that's what's happening. And like, I I really, really love that reveal. And that reveal like continues to be just as good 
the more you watch this series, I think. Yeah, and then we get the giant fight, and then she he gets she gets thrown into the wall, and you yeah. see like her face in the yeah. wall. Yeah, did you um did you like know to watch the post? Because that 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 reveal at the end of season one is in the is basically in the post credits of of the season one finale. Did you stick around for? Because I had somebody tell me to make sure I watched after the credits of the final season, so I knew to stick around. But I feel like a lot of people might have just tuned out with with the with the, you know with the exit. you know what's funny? I do something unintentionally. Like every time a season ends for an anime, I just you know I just sit on my phone. Try to process what I just watched and just let the credits play because I want to hear it for the last time until you know because like next season is gonna be a different end credit scene or end credit sure. song. Sure. So I just let I just let it play and then I hear it all was out of nowhere. It's like, hold on, yeah, they're not ending the show. Like there's still like two minutes left. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, and then I just start to pay attention and you see like the the face and the walls. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Any additional thoughts on season one or should we get into season two now? Yeah, go ahead and get season two. Yeah, I I, I love season two because this is where the show pivots and, and why I say like season one was so much of a prequel for me personally is because like season one is setting up like this is where like season two the beginning of season two when you find out that the titans are in the wall like that's where the story really begins for me because I feel like season one is just like getting our characters for to where they need to be for like the actual story to roll out and I get what you were saying in terms of like you know they they tease the basement and whatnot but that stuff doesn't come back until the third season so like the beginning of season two, when you get this real shift into what I call a political thriller, I think it really becomes like more focused on the politics of this world and of this environment. I find that so much more interesting. And season two does it a little bit. Season three does it a lot where like our characters are sort of tasked with more than just fighting titans they're fighting humans and they're oftentimes fighting humans more than they're fighting titans. Um, you have the expedition outside the wall um, Kind, it's not even expedition actually you kind of meet the characters outside the wall and then storylines begin to converge and connect in season two but like the real foe is you know you're kind of you're wondering what the priest is doing what their what his strategy is what like the inside people the outside people like how their relationships sort of work out and then like later on in the series you get some reveals of other characters that we've known being titans i think that this season is so interesting and, and really sort of it like elevates a series that I already love to like peak TV level for me because it just shifts in such a dramatic, but I think also so brilliant way. Yo, no, there's a, there's absolutely some some essential story elements within season two. The only reason I say it's like it feels like it's spinning its wheels is because it focuses on other characters like Emir and Krista, who we later find out her real name is Historia in yeah. the show. Yeah. But you know, and then we get like the huge reveal of you know Rainer and Berthold being like the colossal and, and the armored titan and all is that, that. Is that? I think that's the best part. That's the best moment of the series. That, it that is, it is, it's so it good. is, no, no, it's the funniest, the most unintentionally funny part of the series. Because, because it's like, so like casual in the way they drop it. It's, it's like, hey, yo, Eden. Yeah, um, I'm the uh, I'm the armor titan and then Berthold here is a colossal titan. So let, let me tell a quick story about that. After season one ended, I was like, I need to know where this story goes. So I actually started reading the manga and I, I dropped off the manga after the Historia. Same, sort of no, ended. same. But I, I did read ahead. And I remember reading and being like, wait I, I like i had to do like a double take and i was like there's no way they just like casually drop it like that and then like i was like waiting for that moment in the anime and when they just like, yeah like you're saying they just casually like pull this aside like hey, hey come here come here we gotta tell you a secret real quick and they like just drop it like that 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 is very funny I, I and think what's, that he, very- what's even funnier is like bert holds like the last person you would suspect to be the yeah. colossal titan because he's yeah. so mild-mannered and timid 
but like what this show also does so well, especially like in season one is like, you know, the, the Easter eggs are there. Um, you know, you kind of look Annie, Berthold and Reiner all together at all times. So you kind of connect those dots there. And then also the way that Reiner reacts to a lot of like, you know, the Titan mission outside the wall, the expedition when they first encounter the female Titan, how he interacts with Armin. And, you know, they obviously reveal how that's all recontextualized. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, on the rewatch, you do really pick up on the way he's reacting. And he's like, he's not really trying to, you know, look out for his comrades. He's trying to figure out information about Aaron and like right, I, I really right. love that setup um and, and I agree with you that the, the scene the, the the them telling Aaron is really funny but the transformation <laughs> scene when, oh yeah when Aaron like slices into Reiner's hand and they're like there's like the electricity sparking around well, no, Mikasa Mikasa's the one that yeah sorry Mikasa slices the fuck out of him yeah <laughs> and, and like you know she, she's like standing there off to the side and she's like kind of paying attention she's like something's up here then when when you get that like that visual uh, of Reiner standing in front of Bertolt and like the, the electricity is just around that that is my favorite visual I think of the entire series well there's another aspect of season two that I didn't quite connect with because like like the big part is like the fact that you know there are this is like a sect a cult of individuals who worship the walls and one of the leaders being pastor nick and pastor nick is like a big you know person essentially the first i guess four episodes of the series you yeah. know she, he's being tagged around with like a with a with a, a hanji mm-hmm. and, and and all of them and she's trying to get information out of him essentially and you know they're he's trying they're trying to play to his sympathy because he they show him like the refugees coming from the other sides of the walls, you know, coming into their part of the wall and like trying to get him to like be like, just to reveal his secrets because he has secrets that he doesn't want to tell them. But there's a moment he's like, he's like, I can't tell you, but there is somebody, a cadet actually, who yeah. who could tell you. Yeah. But they never say it's Historia. They never really give. Uh, as how they got to Historia to begin with as to somebody who knows the secrets of the walls. Like you just say, there's like a small noise, like, like Sasha bursts into the room. Mm-hmm. There's like, guys, um, they're being attacked at this tower or whatever it is, like, the, like this emergency message. Yeah. But then like, you know, he's talking to like Aaron Mikasa, Armin and, and Hanji. And he's like, I can't tell you, but there is somebody who, who, I, who I could point you to. Mm-hmm. And then the scene ends there. How do they get there? How do they get Historia from from Nick in that in that instance, did you pick on, on there something? before Sasha comes in, or maybe it's in the flat? I, I'm misremembering maybe the uh, time when it happens, but there is a moment where they like flash to the group and they all say like her, like so mm-hmm. like there is there is definitely a little jump there where he does tell them, and we just don't get that moment in that. Okay, it happened off screen then. Yeah, it happens off screen, but we okay. th- it is confirmed that because I remember I remember very vividly that they all react like they all say her like, and they don't say who her is at that moment. Yes, but that's, you, yeah. you do found out late, later down the road. I want to ask you actually, what what is your thoughts on Historia and her art? Because like I, I've seen like a lot of mixed conversation online about her character. Like some people saying they really love the fact that she does get this like royalty status, and some people people basically calling her like the token waifu <laughs> to a certain extent of the series <laughs> i'm curious like where do you fall on her arc as a character well, well attack on titan isn't a show that kind of breaks the mold essentially when it comes to archetypes so we will see like the like the like like aaron's character essentially being the, the main guy who has his hidden power who doesn't have full control over it mm-hmm. and has this larger destiny ahead of him you know we have a story obviously who's like he, she has his token life of like she's very <laughs> she's very nice she's very cute mm-hmm. she's, it's all these things but i the, i appreciate his story a lot just because of the fact that 
her arc is very tragic because essentially she is the love child of a prostitute and the royalty yeah. of, of the walls yeah. and someone who was unwanted and she was someone who was shunted to like the fringes of society she was taken care of essentially at the beginning of her life but you know like like the the breach happened with a the colossal titan and the armored titan mm-hmm. she has to get shipped out she has to change her name she has to live a life of of, of humility and all that and within poverty essentially yeah so we get a, i got a, lar- a large appreciation because of her art she like she starts as somebody who is unwanted you know uncared for she has no friends in her life her mother doesn't love her mm-hmm. then she gets thrusted into this, this huge story of her being royalty and her having to take on this huge responsibility of being the queen behind the walls yeah. and i have appreciation for that because she doesn't seem like somebody who like even Aaron says, Aaron says it himself during the scenes where she is revealed to be the queen behind the walls. Yeah. There is a shift in her character. She's revealed to be like this this royalty. At first, she's like this very cute girl. She's someone who tries to like uh, diffuse tensions within like the group of the individuals. Mm-hmm. But then after that, she shows her true colors, and that's something that Aaron picked up on. And you see that with throughout the entire series, even up until the last part of the part one of season three. Yeah. Um, so we're jumping around a little bit because that, that arc sort of bleeds between seasons two and three, I think. Um, what, what were your thoughts on the Emir uh, reveal? Because that was another one that I didn't really see coming. Um, and, and actually, like, this particular rewatch really helped me recontextualize that relationship between uh, Historia and Emir. Because, like, I, I don't think I really, like, latched onto the emotion behind that arc before. But, but now in particular, because I appreciate Historia so much more as a character now, I think I have a little bit more sort of sympathy for that storyline. I think that maybe the weakest part of the entire series, if I had to pinpoint anything, yes. but I still like it quite a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a lesbian relationship, essentially, Only, even though only on the side of Emir, but at that point when it's revealed that Emir is a titan, I was like, okay, you guys are kind of overdoing it, like... Mm-hmm like you know so many different titans yeah like, like we have already have we have Aaron and we have annie and then we have like the people behind the wall the titans behind the walls yeah. now we have emir to worry about as well and what's her agenda and how does she fit into the story mm-hmm. but you know there is i not a manga spoiler but like a, something that to anticipate is like they're gonna get really into because she's still alive in the show like okay she 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 I'm not gonna get into that part. Yeah, yet, yeah, no. that's another. But, but I'm just gonna say real quick. I was, I, at first, I thought it was like they're overdoing it. Like, well, I mean, there, last is time everybody saw, a titan at this point. Like, last time we saw her, she had gone off with with Reiner and Beryl, and then we haven't really seen her since then because she was not in that no, no. battle at season. Three. Remember, remember that uh, Reiner had like that metal tin thing mm-hmm. with yeah, him, yeah. That, and then uh, okay. see her writing that letter to historians, like, right, like right. I want to, like I want to marry you, like you know, really her feelings for her. But yeah, yeah. at that point in the series, I just thought you know. I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, I thought that they're kind of overdoing with how many people are Titans. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, and I guess the other part of season two that we didn't really touch on, I want to spend a lot of time on season three, that's why I'm kind of rushing through season two, is the um, the Kenny stuff. And I think that's, mm. like, you know, I, I like Kenny as a character, I think he's interesting. I think what it's most essential for is kind of giving backstory to Levi, so he's not just painted as this like cold sort of brutal killer like he has a backstory he comes from somewhere and you kind of understand why he doesn't have emotion or try to connect himself to anybody because he has this sort of tragic backstory and he's raided by this guy who basically left him behind um 
and Levi is easily my favorite character in the show. So I feel like we kind of needed to have some sort of backstory. And this goes back to the point that you talked about, about season two straying a little bit from our core characters and focusing a little bit on the side characters. Mm-hmm. I actually really appreciate season two for that because I feel like a lot of the stuff that season happened three. in season three, uh, it happened, it's like season two and three, like beginning of season three, but also season two focuses a lot on these side characters. And I feel like we need that sort of structure. I'll tell you Kenny. Oh, sorry. Yes, Kenny is at the beginning of season three, but I'm saying like the stuff that we get, like Kenny happens in season three, but I'm saying like the stuff that happens in season two. Well, that's that's why it's so great because there's aspects of even with Connie and like him going back to his his. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and Sasha and all that. Yeah, I see what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Yeah, no, I think it's all essential. And yeah, Kenny sort of like you know he's he is introduced in season two, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or is he introduced at the beginning of season three? It's either. The end of season two, mm-hmm. where um, it's Levi the end of season of... two. It is the end of season two. It's after. Yeah. It's after they assume... very briefly. Yeah, he is introduced briefly, but like, I, I just think he's pretty essential um, for for Levi's backstory. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. No, yeah, absolutely. They're actually watching OVA, an original uh, video adaptation. I think it's what the acronym stands for about the backstory of Levi and how he came to be who he is, and you know how his upbringing was, and you know how Erwin founded found him, and why he came to the Scouts and all that. So it's really fun to see. But you know, within the canon itself, I would say it is essential because Levi's such a huge character. Mm-hmm. Like he's often often referred to as like like humanity's greatest soldier. Yeah, and you see like even his introduction, like they were even in season one, they're referencing like imagine if you guys think this is good imagine what you see when you see like levi in action and then mm-hmm. like that's that's when we see him it's like he slices this uh, he de- he decapitates a titan when aaron's putting the rock in the wall yeah so having someone like him have a backstory is essential to the entire story as a whole because if they didn't do that it would kind of falter a bit because you would have this character that you know we care a lot about he's very important he's very formidable within mm-hmm. his own ranks but if you don't have a backstory to him like why would you care about what happens to him in the future yeah so i think that's why it's essential to have that kind of backstory to him mm-hmm. but you know that's why I, but I still say that you know with season two and the part one of season three it kind of still spinning its wheels because it detracts from the main story of humanity's main objective being um, getting rid of these titans but then you know with season two you get like the reveals of emir berthold and and, and uh reiner mm-hmm. and then in season three part one you get like this uh this this coup that's going around going around with the with the scout regiment let's get into that a little bit because this is obviously a conversation that you and i have had um over <laughs> the past few years really like because it's been a bit of a gap and, and there's always gaps between seasons of this show but um you are not as big of a fan of, of season like we're saying season two and seasons 3.1 um no no before. i like season two Okay, so like, just, just season 3.1 prior yes. to this rewatch. Did, did this rewatch make you come around at all? Because like for me personally, like what you're saying about like, you know, these certain people, I, I agree with you that there is a little bit of sort of pushing, um, pushing the threshold a little bit in terms of how many people are Titans. But I really attach myself to what I said earlier, like the humans becoming more of the villains or just as much of the villains as the Titan themselves in this season. Well, I want to get back into what you were saying with season two. Like what if season two ended? I actually started to read the manga, but the, the the site I was using kind of like mixed the the chapters around a little bit, so I was confused as to what I was reading. But when I from what I grasped before season three part one came out it was like the fact that they were going to focus season three part one on like the government aspects of the walls and how Aaron and and his buddies fit into that story. So that's something that I thought was essential because we need to know what kind of world they live in now within the walls before they even get outside of the walls because then you know why would you care what happens within the walls if you don't know yeah. or what, what would you, you know vice versa you know what we're trying to say but yeah, yeah. the reason i didn't like season three part one 
at first is because there was so much information going around because, you know, Aaron is seen as this asset at, in, in, in the season one mm-hmm. and he, get, he get, he's given this tribunal and it's, they're convinced to give Aaron to the Scott regiment for the purpose of, you know, saving humanity, but the government still wants, you know, Aaron to be under their control. So season three opens up with, you know, the Scout regiment essentially being labeled as uh, as fugitives. So it's like there's so much going on. So we get essentially like the introduction of Kenny and Levi's backstory. <clears throat> we get like this thing of you know they're trying to kidnap Aaron. You know he gets kidnapped in every single season. He gets kidnapped in Annie season one. He gets kidnapped by um, Emir and Reiner and Bertolt in season two. <laughs> and he gets kidnapped by like the the Royals in season three. But yeah. we need to get to the context of what's going on within these characters within the walls and the government itself. So it's like they're the first they come back they have to report there's this thing with Erwin and like the power struggle between Erwin and the other in the other uh, companies within the government um they become fugitives um we have their, they're fighting Kenny at the same time the the royals are introduced you have we have this story with Rice we have the story with Historia so there's a lot to juggle even within the first 12 episodes of season three part one and that's why I didn't like it at first but then you know if you watch it a couple times we realize how essential it is to the story. So that's why I came around to it. This, I guess this is the third time. Cause like yeah. when I was watching, I was, I had to rewatch cause there was so much going on, like so much information being thrown at me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I need to watch this again. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw it this third time being like a couple years removed from the first, so the, from the second time I saw it, I was like, yeah. I, I realized that it's essence for the story. I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of it covers a lot of ground, but I think that ground that it covers is pretty important. So like, you know, there's, there's sort of one part of me that's like, you know, maybe they could have fleshed certain parts of this out a little bit more, but then some part of me is also like, but I really want to get to season 3.2 because I know what's going on there. And I know that that's the fav- my favorite part of the entire series. Um, what I do like about 3.1 um, and, and I actually really like 3.1, prior to this rewatch so this this is not like changing my opinion on it but like you know it gives us like especially context with Erwin because I feel like we haven't really spent a whole lot of time with him we've seen his sort of interactions with Aaron and whatnot but you get a little bit more of the inner workings of how like he's operating here and and, you know obviously we know Erwin's fate I I wish we had kind of gotten even more time with him because he's just such an interesting character Mm -hmm. like the episodes where he's the focus of the coup and whatnot at the beginning of season three I, I just think that's some of the most interesting stuff because it really you know hones in on the political drama side of the series and and it just sounds like a sort of difference in opinion in terms of whether or not we really really latch onto that political thriller part of it and not not to say that you don't like it it's just you think it's sort of parts of it are detracting from the core storyline right am i, am I yeah getting- yeah that, that's exactly it but the same thing like the reason i was like so i'm saying i'm agreeing with you like with the fact that we we should have spent more time with erwin mm-hmm. and that piqued my interest when uh he was like in season two at the at the, at the end battle yeah. when he loses his arm uh-huh. he gets he's being like he's in the mouth of a titan mm-hmm. his arm gets bitten off but he's still giving orders yeah he's still commanding his troops to go in forward and you know save Aaron from uh from reiner and mm-hmm. Berthold. yeah so like at that point it's like you know what i love this character i want, I want more of him and we do get a, a bit of a backstory with him we get like uh with his father as, yeah yeah, as to why he's so driven into his own goals and like yeah. how that ties into his, his lineage with his father yeah. and his dream being to prove his father's theory of, you know, uh, of... Um, there being a little bit more mystery to the Titans than we're actually being revealed, right? There, be, there being even, like, life outside the walls that they're not being told about. Yeah. So, like, all that kind of ravels or unravels in, essentially in the, in, the, in the season three, part one, because, you know, he's, like, the main focus of that coup. Mm-hmm. It's his... It's his brainchild. Yeah. He's the one who's like leading the way through um, 
you know, helping like, you know, convince the Pixies to be on his side, convincing like the other troops to be on his side, mm-hmm. convincing Zachary to be on his side. And yeah, yeah. You know, so just turn their backs essentially on the, on the, on the government as they know, because they feel like something fishy is going, like he has a hunch mm-hmm. essentially is what it is. Yeah. And it's proven to be true because, you know, he's a smart ass guy. He's a really good commander. He's a really, really smart commander. I'm glad you brought up the battle actually where he loses his arm. Cause we kind of skipped over something that, is a pretty big moment in the series. And I feel like we still haven't gotten the full fruits of what that means for the context of everything. And that's Aaron being able to control Titans mm. um, and, and setting the Titans yeah. on the, the Titan that killed his mother, which we found out. Titan. Yeah. Which we find out later down the road is actually the former wife of his father. So there's like, there's all this sort of stuff that's layered into these se- seasons. And like, that is like, you know, it's interesting because the series to what you're saying, like exactly what you're saying, it covers so much ground and really, you know, like less than 60 episodes up to this point. Um, I- I'm curious. Oh, exactly 60 now. Yeah, now exactly 60 <laughs> you know, first episode of season four. Um, uh, do you, What are your thoughts on, on that sort of reveal and how that's going to continue to play out here? I'm, I'm assuming here in season four, especially. Well, a huge um, thing that he was grappling with is the fact that he realizes why he was able to control the Titans with like the quote unquote the coordinate and it was because the Titan that he punched like the smiling Titan was actually royalty yeah like, she was the one who has the lineage the same thing as uh, Historia has mm-hmm. so when she touched or when he touched her mm-hmm. he had he had that connection to his like to like the founding Titan essentially yep. so he has both the powers of the attack titan within him and the founding titan because when his father was the attack titan he swallowed a what was that a phrase uh, like fritz frida 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 yeah frida frida race mm-hmm. who was who had the powers of the of the founding titan back then so Aaron has both that's why he's able to use both and then when he's when they're giving like the brief after season three part one where they're or part two i mean when they're back in the walls and after their completed successful mission of you know um getting back shingashina and wom maria i think i believe it's called yes yeah he like realizes like like the reason i was able to touch this person like he's like cycling through his memories or the memories of others as well is because like you know she's royalty so if i reveal this to the people what would happen to historia yeah and you know and in this next third in this fourth season Mm -hmm. He still has this power, but he's, we don't know how he's going to use it yet. Yeah. So he's like, he's the only one who knows. He hasn't told Mikasa. He hasn't told Armin. Mm-hmm. He hasn't told Levi. He's just all within himself. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge responsibility. I think that's where we truly see what kind of character Aaron could be. Because up until this point, mm-hmm. he's still trying to figure out his powers. Mm-hmm. He's still kind of leaning on Armin and Mikasa a little bit. And, you know, he wasn't able to defeat Birdhole without Armin's help. He wasn't able to, you know, get out of all these, like, you know, life-threatening situations without Mikasa's help but within season four I think we're going to finally see what kind of person or what kind of character Aaron Foley becomes because of that I have some thoughts on that that. of that hidden power yeah I have some serious thoughts on that I'm going to hold them until we get to the end of season three (laughs) and transition to season four because I do want to get now into like I I think the best stretch of episodes of the series I'm obviously we get like the Grisha reveal and whatnot we get that backstory some of it is peppered in before uh at the start of season three, part two, or end of season three, part one, and then some of it we get later on towards the end of season three. I'm saying part two and part one because I keep getting confused. Yeah, it's very, very confusing <laughs> in terms of the way this is all laid out. I don't like how anime is doing like part one and part two because this is not. They're the gonna only do show. They're gonna do that for season four. Uh, are they really? We'll see. The manga's still going. Oh, is it really? I thought it was over. 
No, they have. There's there was a leak that came out actually today. It's saying that there's three chapters left in the series. So this oh. first part is 16 episodes. And the next part's going to be 16 episodes. It's probably a 32 episode series. Oh order. wow, I didn't know that, huh? Yeah, that's a new revelation for me. I'm glad we're getting 30 plus episodes. That that's exciting. Cause we <laughs> these seasons tend to be shorter for this show. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it starts with episode. I believe it's 49 when they set out on the expedition and oh, in particular God. I mean like you get you get the moments yes. at the beginning where like you have like you know some successful missions they put that log at the top of the wall and they're successfully like crushing titans and whatnot but it <laughs> ends with the entire like all the troops standing atop the wall they get the cheers for like maybe the first time in how many years ever no ever, ever like yeah ever from from the crowd from the town from the people um because they've had some sort of success there's some sort of hope some sort of fate and then Irwin has that incredible you know my troops charge and all that like that speech that he gives the music like that that moment is burned into my brain the visuals the sunset in the background or is it sunrise i don't even know but like it just looks beautiful. It's such a motivational mood. And like this show, you know, atop like all like the despair and dread that it does put into you, it it does like epic rousing moments better than better than anything, I think. It, the reason that it's so impactful as the way as it, as it is is because of the fact that up until that point, when we see flashbacks of the troops either leaving or coming back, they're either being chastised by like the townspeople or they're like, well, like, wow, more dead people. Since like, episode they're, one. They're, Since like, episode one. They're wasting our taxes. Like, why are we still keeping sending them out there? But then up until that point, we never see them being like the heroes of their own story until like they go up, up, up on top of the wall and they're all cheering them on, you know, after like they defeated Rod Rice's like Lasagna Titan and <laughs> Lasagna Titan. He looks like Lasagna, man. Yeah, yeah, he's like an accordion. He like goes in and out. He's a weird, weird, weird ass Titan, but yeah. besides that, you know, we get to see like that rousing moment of Ir- or Irwin screaming his head off to the people, and he's him telling them that we're gonna complete this mission, and we're gonna do this for you guys, mm-hmm. and you know, and then, we, then we see like like John, Connie, and uh, Sasha screaming back at them, being like idiots. Yeah, so that's a fun moment to see them just. It's essentially the calm before the storm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's another moment like where like some of like, you know, some of the stuff the fleshing out in season two that we get of some of the side characters, like I feel like it just works better when you get that moment of them cheering like on the side acting like sort of goofballs. We've seen them do it throughout the entire series, but like it's those many moments of levity that are peppered through the series. And yeah, it is the calm before the storm because then we get into the, you know, this this crazy battle where they well, go. Before you even get into this, we didn't talk about this guy at all. He's been revealed in season two. He talks, he's hairy. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, the Zeke. Beast Titan. Zeke, yeah. The Beast like, Titan, we see, yeah. like there's these scouts that are just doing, they're scouting outside of the walls. Mm-hmm. And like one of them gets, gets confronted by Zeke as the Beast Titan. And, you know, he gets picked up by his horse. Um, he's able to control Titans with the sound of his voice and he's talking to him like any other person would talk to another person except he sounds like a demon because he's like this giant apes thing yeah so and then like at the end of season no, I was at the end of season one wasn't and it the, at the, no he's at the end of se- at the end of season one we get the reveal of the face oh, no, at, the no. end of, at the end of season two he says something two. like it's not it's not time yet or something like that like right? he's, you see him coming out of the titan on right top right of yeah that's we, what it was we, we assumed that there was a human in that titan but we hadn't actually seen what that human looked like mm-hmm. and zeke is, zeke is aaron's half-brother right yes yeah okay okay so like you get that all set up yeah the reason i was holding off on that is because i feel like you, you we do get that moment outside the wall with him but i feel like where his character really shines is in this 
battle sequence between Reiner and Bertolt, but I want to start by talking a little bit about like this is where this is where Armin's arc really comes to, yes. to a head because he yes. becomes like he becomes a leader. Like you expect him, like even in season one, like you know he has the brains, you know he's got the intelligence, you know he's gonna have moments throughout the series, but he Erwin leans on him in this scene. Mm. And I love right. to see that sort of development and like I love that moment, you know, all the characters have the hoods on. It's such like a smart little detail that like I myself as a storyteller would have never thought of like, you know, to put the hoods on the top of all the characters to hide Aaron to make it unclear in terms of where where he is where he's hiding what the mission is and then like armin's the one who figures out that somebody's probably going to be hiding in the wall so they're going around tapping i, I love all that stuff and it's like quiet like tension building no and, even like, even before that like when, once the season starts they're just they're like traversing through the woods mm-hmm. they're like they're like we're using the lights they, oh at night like, in the, the night sequence yes those, those stones they found in the in the underground facility of the church mm-hmm. and like they're going through the, the woods and all that even if, until then we was just like trying to think of what's going to happen once they reach the wall yeah and like they're like so you they get to the they get to the town. It's like it's like it's like it's complete shit because of what's happened with the Titans. Yeah, a couple of Titans on the way there, but you know where's Bert Holt? Where's Reiner? Where's the Beast Titan? Yeah, and, and they're like they're like basically they're basically asking the same questions, right? Because they're like yeah, the mission's going successful. Like something it's is like up it's here. too smooth. Yeah, it's too smooth. Exactly. So they like even up until like they put the hoods on, they they make their way up on the outside of the wall of Sh- uh, uh, Shingonshina, mm-hmm. very close to the wall. Still nothing. So they go back. And you know, Armin makes a realization that like there was somebody here, like there was a fresh fire here. They go to the ground, like there's like this, there's like this uh, drink, but this uh, it wasn't warm, but it was like a cold drink, and he tasted it, like it's, it's like nothing I tasted before. Yeah. So he realizes that somebody was somebody was there. Mm-hmm. Like his like his like light bulb goes off. It's like hold on, there was people, there was titans inside the wall. That means the walls can be hollow, which means somebody can be in the walls. Yeah. Which is basically, his his train of thought, and he's the one that reveals like. Like the, the the possibility of them being like like don't look in the houses don't look, uh, in like the obvious places look inside the walls like they start tapping with their knives and all that yeah. and like you see fucking Reiner just come out of nowhere I know that stabs the hell out of that guy uh-huh. and then like uh Levi out of nowhere just slices the shit out of him mm-hmm. and you know that we get the transformation you see the slow reveal of like the of the armored titan coming up by himself and then we see like the beast titan in the distance outside of the walls mm-hmm. and we see like this like the, the flashes of light of the transformations happening the around titans, him yeah and like at, at at that point if you didn't know you'd probably be you would know that you're getting into like the greatest one of the best seasons of tv you've ever seen it's so good that reveal like i, I love you know what you're saying like that scene where the beast titan's there and you're like he smiles like, he's like you're like there's something going up and then all those lightning bolts come striking to the ground and they all transform and like there's just like all these titans and like they're not moving and it's like this is like the first time like titans have always been intimidating because they're like big but they can also be kind of goofy because they look like weird people they run weird and stuff like that this is the first time where titans have felt like intimidating because they're just like they're just there waiting they're like biding their time and like this arc like what this series, economy essentially well what this like what this series has done so well has done like big epic moments but like i feel like the quiet sort of tense moments are few and far between this this beginning of this battle is so quiet and so tense and you really feel the sort of nerves of the characters because like you also like you know something's up like something's wrong this mission's going too smooth what is going to happen and when that reveal happens like it, it's so good um i also love the juxtaposition of the battle going on outside where eventually levi carves up the entire titan, titan army basically um and then like the inside you have aaron and reiner basically going at it and eventually Bertel coming out like do you have like a preference between those two or do you, do you want to just give like your thoughts on that entire sequence as a whole 
No, I was actually going to say, this is when I feel like Bert Holt comes, comes into his own as a character because we yeah. get we get to see him make, him make his own decisions because up until that point, like we have like the flashback scene with him, uh, Reiner, and Annie, where, which would happen with Marco, like a minor character in season one where we oh, see- that's such his, a devastating scene. Half his face bitten off, mm-hmm. like at the first, and then we see like, in that moment in the season where Reiner's like, why is Marco getting eaten? And people look at him like he's fucking crazy. And then- we get like the context of that scene where he has like this dual personality essentially. Like, he does, yeah. He does care about his like his 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 regiment people. Mm-hmm. He does care about the people he, he trained with, but he also has a mission to complete. That's something that's given to him from outside the walls. And given that context within that episode of Berthold and Reiner and their relationship and how they came to the walls, him with Annie, uh, Berthold with Annie, and you know Reiner just like sticking up for himself essentially and going up to Armin himself and like him testing his own metal and seeing that seeing past Armin's attempts to trying to throw him off by mentioning Annie's name I think that's why I prefer that Bert whole aspect of it because up until that point we know what Annie's like we know she's like crystallized and like somewhere within the walls we know Reiner's uh is like a, like the big brother essentially of, of Bert Holt but Bert Holt up until that point has been told what to do instead of just like making decisions for himself so Reiner is out is like he's he's pretty much almost dead. Like he Done, gets like fuck, yeah. he gets fucking blown to pieces. Yeah. And Reiner like is like by himself. Like he's like alone on the other side of the wall while Zeke is like trying to hold his own against uh, uh Levi and Irwin. So I think that's why I prefer Burholt's story up until uh compared to like the other fights. Yeah, what you're saying, like, you know, the fact uh, that reveal first of is awesome when they like toss the barrel over the wall and like you just assume he's just going to transform in the air and just completely wreak havoc on the town. But no, he doesn't transform yet. He has that conversation with Armin and it feels like the first time where a character mentally gets the best of Armin because yes. he's usually yeah. playing like chess and, and mm-hmm. it is exactly what you're saying. Like this character had just kind of been a sideline character. He obviously had a big role, um, but like you don't really get an idea of who he is as a person until this moment and it it really really pays off the patience i also just love how like you know you have the flashbacks that you're talking about like that moment between him and reiner on the wall where like you see the friendship and the bond between them like you know that they're terrible people but that moment hits so hard where he just like punches him on the back as they're facing the two separate ways Uh, like it's just such good storytelling to make you empathize with the quote-unquote villains in such an effective way like it's just it's the brilliance i think of this show uh but yeah yeah Bertolt does his transformation uh, there's the two things going on simultaneously right there's the charge erwin leading the charge towards the beast titan and basically dying like everybody in the entire army gets wiped out as levi goes and carves up as the distraction um but then inside yeah you have armin more or less sacrificing his life so there's these two sacrifices going on simultaneously um and it's again like it's constant raving but like it's necessary because how good this show is at doing like you know it, it pulls the tears out of you when you see armin you know basically uh, yeah. getting yeah. burnt to a crisp and at the same time like outside the wall even though levi is having this this successful you know mission basically going and attacking the beast titan and, and having success basically until that weird four four legged titan comes and scoops up zeke like <laughs> It's still like, you know, Erwin's dying and the entire the entire army except for that one guy whose name I'm forgetting right now is Flock. Flock. Yeah, yeah, they're all wiped out. They're all wiped out. And it's just like you know and that's another thing that the series does well. Like the wins don't always feel like wins. Like you know it's a step forward. And that's the thing that the characters keep preaching throughout this entire series is like it's a step. It's a step of how much sacrifice comes at that step. And like 
this this moment in particular, I think, is the epitome of all that stuff like coming to a head because we're losing two basically main characters as well as more or less the entire army aside from what like seven to ten people max. Yeah. <clears throat> well, even before that happens, we get the conversation between Erwin and Levi. He's like, "I have a plan. Um, you're gonna have to like, really just like, uh, let go of your dreams and die." Essentially, is what, is what yeah, Levi yeah, tells Erwin. Yeah. I think he says that like almost word for word, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he's trying to rally his troops around the idea and Erwin's like asking the people like do you think the people that died before you died in vain do you think they died for no reason do you think they died without honor and he's like he's trying to like lean them he's like yeah maybe they did and like I was and he's like he just starts screaming I was like it's like no they fucking didn't like the reason that they're here is because we're here to complete what they were trying to complete and like that and that entire speech is like one of my favorite speeches I've ever heard in, in an anime oh, before because like it's just like it's so rousing. It's like because I was like you just want to salute the screen mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're watching this episode because <laughs> like you love Erwin so much. He's such a great, but his his tactics. Someone brought this up to me. It's like his tactics are just like just um sacrifice your troops and hope the best to happen. Well, like his thing is like <laughs> I, I you know it is funny. I was I was like thinking about that like this time and it's just like he is like you know at the end of the day even though you learn more about his backstory they call and, him a devil. Yeah, he he is just so cold but for mm-hmm. them to make like such a cold character you still want to like root for him and back him up like there i i can't think of any other characters that are like 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 you're saying like he just wants to go and sacrifice everybody and see what happens but like you root for him you're like yeah go go sacrifice everybody and see what happens like that's he, the he only says way. it himself he's like he's like I, I gotta sacrifice this part my humanity essentially to overtake them that's inhuman well his like his entire thing his entire thing is, that's driving him is you know paying honor to his dad obviously but to figure right, out right. what's going on and he's like i will do anything i will sacrifice myself along with the hundred troops behind me if that means that we can figure out what's going on and this is obviously the clo- like his entire thing is like i want to see what's in that basement i want to see what's in that basement but he knows that like that basement might be what solves this issue so he's like if what it takes is for me to give him my dreams and going into the basement but if we can ensure or close to ensure in this moment that that is going to happen that we will get that reveal i am willing to put myself as well as everybody behind me on the line and and And, it's really great and another great thing about it is the fact that he's cognizant of the fact of all the sacrifices that's happened because of him like he weighs the lives that's that's have been sacrificed because of his tactics and his and his ambitions and he's thinking about it and he's like like on like like the visual that they give on screen is like him being on top of a mound of like a mountain of bodies and him standing on top of them and him like realizing that his legacy is like the fact that all these people died and he, if he if he just like lets this happen let's like you know zeke win let's Berhol win and reiner win that they did to die for vain so that's why yeah. that's when his humanity comes to light and he like justifies his actions up until that point mm-hmm. and tells his troop to die with him so that this the mystery of the walls and the mystery of the titans can be you know solved and that then the following the next two episodes like 10 out of 10 like 11 yeah. out of 10s that i mean are you talking about you're talking about with the with the shot 50, to revive 54 and 55 54 is called hero the title being about armin That's the one where armin sacrifices so himself. so like the the four things that happen in that episode are it's Levi versus Zeke. Mm-hmm. It's um, oh, what's it called? It's Levi versus Zeke. Mm-hmm. It's Burhol versus Aaron. Mm-hmm. It's Armin's sacrifice, and it's Aaron, you know, defeating Burhold. And they, even Hanji coming in clutch with the Thunder Spear. Hanji's such a good character. She's, Who, she's a really she, great character. She comes out of nowhere and just like helps open the like the uh uh Ragnar's jaw. Yeah, with the get him um, out of there. What's it called? The Thunder Thunder Blade or something? Like, whatever those. Thunder Spear. Thunder Spear. Thank you. So. Like to, that's the most jam-packed episode, but the episode that follows is called Midnight Sun, episode 55. That episode, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to it's not, I was going to say, 
getting very excited here. <laughs> like one of them, it's a masterpiece. Like it's a masterpiece, it's, yes. Like the immediate aftermath of what's happened. Like they have this victory, but at what cost? And then they realize the repercussions of what they did, mm-hmm. and they have to come with then like the entire episode has to deal with the dilemma of either reviving Armin mm-hmm. or Erwin, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's just like it's just talking. There's no fighting. Well, there's mm-hmm. some, some fighting, but not uh, like relative to the previous episodes, like nothing. It's like, yeah. But it's like you're kind of essentially thrust into that same situation. It's like, if you were in Levi's shoes, mm-hmm. would you revive the commander of the scout regiment that's brought you this far, or this little boy who has a couple of shining moments to him, who's only like what 15 years old up until that? Yeah, time. 15. Yeah. Everyone in the show, like those troops are like Aaron 15, and McCon- yeah. 14 to 17. Like Reiner's the goal is he's 17 years old. Yeah. He fucking looks 30. I know, but, right? <laughs> but, you know, just dealing with that dilemma after dealing with that jam pack, like you see like the, <clears throat> the animation, like the background animation in this episode is, is incredible because mm-hmm. you see like the cinders and like the like the, fl- the sparks of flame in the, in the distance. Mm-hmm. They're all like, just like, like they're all tired as fuck. Mm-hmm. They're like out of breath. They're out of, they're out of oxygen. Their blades are depleted. And you know, it's just like you're you're there in the situation with us. That's why it's done so well. Yeah. Um, this is like going back to what I said a few minutes ago. In this show, a win is still not necessarily a win because <clears throat> you have yeah, you've beaten basically beaten the bad guys. You've pushed them back into you've pushed them now into a wall. But like at the same time, you're tasked with maybe the most challenging storytelling beat of the entire series, where Levi has to choose between. You know this, yeah, this up and comer who's proven himself time, you know, a few times here and there, especially now in these pivotal moments. But you know, he's also the best friend of the main characters. Like, there's that emotional connection to it. Or the guy who has, you know, although he has lost many lives, he's also helped humanity make advancements and is, you know, relied on by so many people as a successful leader. Um, the the tweet that I put, I pulled it up just now. Um, as you were speaking, the way Attack on Titan grapples with Aftermath is unmatched. It's far more devastating to have Levi choose between Armin and Erwin instead of killing one of them or the other outright. Innovative and challenging storytelling that breaks your heart and keeps you guessing. Like, it is, it, you know, to have, you know, to have Erwin die outside the wall would have been a heroic and great moment for the story itself. But they take it a step forward and they're like, no, he's not quite dead yet. There's still the possibility that he could live. And the only way that he doesn't live is if you revive Armin. And and it asks, you know, it it challenges you as a viewer because you're just like, what would I do? What would I do? And that's why it's a a masterpiece. It really, it it is one of the best episodes of this entire series. Um, And it goes back to what I was saying before, where like, some of the best drama in the series is not really the Titan stuff. It's the human. It's the right. human versus human stuff. And and what does the human internal challenge pose to you when you're tasked with such a difficult like thing? It's really, really great, honestly. Real, real quick, I want to say it's hilarious that even after how tired Levi was after fighting Zeke, mm-hmm. um, Ar- or, or is it Aaron tries to get like the syringe out of his hand before yeah. reviving, to revive Armin, he hits him so hard, he knocks half the teeth out of his I hand. Know. <laughs> Like you see him, you see him come up from the from like being knocked out. And you see like just like he's like he's trying to like talk, and you see like half his teeth gone. Yeah, it's and so like, funny. And when you see like Levi before that, he's basically like a walking like he's, he's like covered in zombie. blood. Yeah, he's like a zombie basically. The way he sort of stumbles into that scene. Um, but that you know that transitions now into the 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 ending of season three, which is the reveal of what's going on outside the wall and this sort of you know this sort of dispute between different types of people outside the wall and how certain dramas again based in p- 
political intrigue and some sort of historical intrigue as well as some fantasy mixed in there. But like, it's the sort of backstory as to what happens to Grisha and the reveal as to, you know, I think we had an idea and we basically knew up to this point, we, it had all been con- but confirmed that all the Titans are more or less humans, but this mm-hmm. is the sort of reveal as to what the origin of those Titans are, where they're coming from and why this certain subsect of people is like, you know, they're basically destined to death by the situation that they've been tasked with. Um, I, I love this end, uh, you know, the end of season three, you know, the, the beach sequence and whatnot, it has this optimistic like sort of feeling to it, but it really sets the stage for season four in such a brilliant way because I think it, you know, all this stuff is revealed and you're like, okay, we have backstory. Where does the story go mm-hmm. from here? Like exactly. it just, it opened, it, it literally and figuratively opens the world in such a unique way and like we we've only had one chapter to season four so far but like this this sort of end stretch of three to four episodes or so really has me sort of guessing as to what is going to happen now do you want to speculate no uh yeah we can speculate here do you have any thoughts on those final few episodes because i know you in particular love that final episode right yeah, yeah, no, everything was done so well. Like the whole motivation for um, Aaron and Armin to like do their best in, in the battle between like Rainer, Burl, and Zeke was because they wanted to see the sea together. Like there was a dream at the at the offset. Like you know, like like there's like flashbacks of um, of them reading that book together. He's like, there's like there's a, there's a there's a pond is what they call it mm-hmm. that's so big it stretches past the horizon. Right. Yeah. And it's filled with salt and like and salt and there was like a huge you know it's like a it's valuable essentially because of how you know how essential it is to, to their lives yeah. and like that whole motivation is just them finally seeing like the catharsis of them seeing the ocean together mm-hmm. and them playing in the water and like you see um who was it i think it was either sasha or hanji's like drinking the water it's like, it's like wow it's so salty yeah and they're like you know splashing the water against each other but then you see like like the like the camera quote-unquote camera pants to aaron, aaron yeah and he's, and he's just like his eyes are on the horizon like yeah. what's past this 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 dream of ours mm-hmm. what's past like he like he's pointing he's like He's like, I want to go over there. I want to mm-hmm. get freedom because mm-hmm. he knows that there are people that are trying to go against him mm-hmm. and he wants to, you know, do his best to make him and his friends survive whatever's ahead of them. Yeah. And that is encapsulated perfectly by how he is posing on the on the water. Like he's just like not even looking at Mikasa's arm. He's just looking at the horizon. He points his finger out there yeah. and then it ends. Yeah. Um, and this is where I want to call back. And yeah, we could talk about season four, episode one now, but we can also <clears throat> speculate a little bit. Um, and this is where, where I want to call back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of we don't really know what kind of person Aaron is. And season four is going to test him in that way and give us a true reveal as to what we can expect to see from Aaron now that some time has passed and he's kind of lived with this realization. Four years like, have passed. Yeah. He, he's living with this realization. And I think it's like, uh, I think is you know it's embodied in the, in the poster for season four where it's basically a reverse of the poster for season one where season one is Aaron standing and looking at the wall with the colossal titan staring back at him. The poster for season four is Reiner on the ground and Aaron's titan form looking back yeah. at him. I don't think it's you know necessarily saying that Aaron is a villain, but so much of this series has been about like you know the sort of test of these characters and how they grapple with being put in difficult situations and having to make sacrifices, like we just said, um, and, and doing things that are maybe morally bankrupt to a certain extent to get where they need to be. Yes. I think that, that that's what this, I mean, ah. and, and this, I mean, this episode one of season four reverses the point of view, the perspective where like 
you know, I wasn't, I was completely caught off guard that this was almost entirely focused around Reiner's arc. And it seems like, you know, from the tease at the end of episode one for season, for episode two, like, it seems like we're going to be following Reiner for a little bit. We're not going to get our core characters maybe for another episode or two. So it's kind of shifted the perspective in terms of the episodes, but it's also shifted the perspective in terms of, you know, now Aaron's kind of on the outside looking in. What is that going to mean for, for the other characters that surround him? Yeah. So I don't know if this is going to be a spoiler to say, it's not a spoiler. I'm going to say you should be, you pretty much uh, foreshadowed it when, you, when what you just said, like Reiner is a protagonist in the story of Attack on Titan in the perspective of the Marleans. Yeah. So he's like the main guy. Everyone else inside of him is the villain. Mm. So, and, you know, the fact that you mentioned that Aaron could be the villain, there's a meme going around where, he, like, I think it was, they were on top of the wall at season three, part one, where they're about to, like, you know, do the plan to, like blow up uh, Rod Rice's Titan and Aaron's punching himself to get him out of his haze and yeah, yeah, yeah. motivate himself. Yeah. The meme, the meme, the caption that goes with it is, is like, here's a rare instance of the main character punching the villain and he's yeah. punching himself. Yeah. So it goes to show that Aaron's going to go to like extreme lengths mm-hmm. to make sure that the people around him don't die, that he doesn't die and that him and his Eldian heritage, you know, come back from the, the brink of, of, of extinction. Yeah. And, and like, you know, it's, you can kind of also tell that that's the direction they're going just by looking at the way that Aaron's character is designed. You know, he's like, he looks like jaded. He has the long hair. He has the ponytail. I love the character design, first of all, in this sort of time. He's pretty much absent in that recent uh, visual that they gave out. Like, it's like, it's like, it's Mikasa, it's John, it's it's Levi versus like the other Titans on the other side. Mm-hmm. But Aaron's not in that poster. He's not in even like the trailer all that much. Like we've gotten yes. a couple, we got a couple shots of him. Like with, I thought the- Mikasa was Aaron. Oh, did you really? Because <laughs> she had the like, short hair now. I thought she, she was had, Levi. She had shorter hair. Yeah. I thought she was Levi. Um, but like the only really shots of Aaron, we get that shot of him like crashing through the buildings as the Titan. We get one one or two shots. We get the shot of him putting on the jacket with the ponytail and whatnot where we get to see what he looks like now. Mm-hmm. There's not really a whole lot of him. And, and uh, that's what I'm saying. Like from that poster, like it's the shift of perspective. And I think that's so interesting um, for them to now like, you know, to dive into the final season headfirst following the villain from the previous season as sort of our main character, Zeke and Reiner being the center of that first episode. First off, that, I mean, to to launch Titans out of a helicopter or out of a plane and just it's have them so trans- fucked up. It's, it's so, so crazy. Up. It's so crazy. Like, I, I, I didn't think that the series could up the ante in terms of Titan reveals from that sequence at the end of season three where all the Titans reveal around the Beast Titan. This is like upping the ante because you're just dropping Titans out of the sky and it's ridiculous. It's insane. I the, love it so the much. The way that Marleans treat Eldians is just, it's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, do, do you have any like thoughts of speculation or anything that you want to drop in there? Yes, actually, there was a thing. So when they were doing like the backstory with Grisha and it's revealed that Aaron Kruger, the who was like the owl, like their inside man in, in the Marleyan government, right, yeah, yeah. was somebody that was helping them, who is the attack titan. Mm-hmm. He's like talking to Grisha. He's like, we got to make sure we save our heritage. We got to save our people. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote, but the exact quote after he says that is like, we, <clears throat> we got to make sure that we save Mikasa and Armin. And this is in the past. Yeah. yeah. And, he's, he's, and he goes like, who are my cousin and Armin? Yeah, he's, he's like, like I don't know. Yeah. He's like, I don't know whose memories those are. Uh-huh. So, and the fact that Aaron was able to tap into those memories from the perspective of Aaron Kruger, and the fact that Aaron Kruger was able to tap into the memories of the future makes me think that there's going to come into some, something's going to come into play. Like, they're going to delve into like the history of the, the original founding Titan Emir. Aaron's going to find a way to use this power to help him use tact against the, against the Marleans to help him win. But, um, there's a lot of speculation in regards to how that 
power un unfolds and how Aaron makes use of it. That's just something I want to bring up. But there's like a huge talking point mm. after that reveal that you know, like Marlene's essentially was like like the Third Reich of you know, yeah, Germany, yeah, yeah. and like the and like the Eldians are Jews. <clears throat> they were saying like the Isayama was like a fascist, a uh, proto-nationalist. He was a Nazi because of the way that he introduced this, like the 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 entire backstory to uh to Attack on Titan being. Mm -hmm. Like the Eldians having this, like this, like the this power and sure. how they're viewed in the world, like they're like they're essentially quote unquote devils. Sure. I never understood that talking point of him. They're like saying like he was justifying Nazism or something. I'm not ready and to go that far. First off, because we don't know where the series is gonna end yet. So. But like even even at just from the reveal of Grisha being Grisha and his family being like like the, the, the if we're gonna continue this metaphor, the Jews of the story, mm -hmm. and like they're like the quote unquote the devils of the story. I don't see how people made the connection of him using like this real life historical event into his own story to say that he's a Nazi. Well, like, here's the thing, like everybody, everybody's sort of thing nowadays is to say all art is inherently political and Attack on Titan is very much political. I mean, I, I've said it multiple times here that it turns into a political thriller. That doesn't mean the politics of it are derivative of real life. They could be inspired by real life, but that doesn't mean they like connect with the true reality of the world that we live in. Um, I can see where the metaphor is pulled from to a certain extent. You can't just outright say that that is what he's trying to say through this vision because he, yeah. might, he might be inspired to a That's certain extent by that type of story or not storytelling, but that type of history. That doesn't mean that his storytelling is trying to revise what history has told us up to this point. What history has told us and what's basically a fact is that Nazis are terrible people. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the commentary that he's necessarily trying to make. Um, well, the article I was reading is the fact that it was like very anti-Semitic because, you know, you mentioned the fact that some of these Titans have really weird physical attributes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the article I was reading is like saying like, like, like some have big heads, some have little arms and some, you know, you say the little lips like dot, 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 have large noses. I'm like, come on, come man. on. That's a stretch. That's a real stretch. <laughs> and it's like the quote I pulled from the, from the article says, but well-dressed aesthetics and pacing can only do so much before you start to notice the ideas bubbling underneath the surface. Isayama's work is full of anti-Korean and nationalist pro-Japan subtext, parallels to anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and subtextual references to Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll give Raj the link to this article so we can so we can put it in the descriptions to this episode. Yeah. So you guys can make your own uh, opinion on it. But based on the information we have so far. It doesn't make sense for us to say that Isayama himself is a proto-nationalist Japanese who hates Koreans and Jews. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that yet. I know there's certainly a lot of, um, there's a lot of strife there in the history there, but I don't, yeah, I'm not ready to go that far yet. And we don't know how the series is going to end. Um, what I will say <laughs> to sort of close things out here. Oh, is that, well, before we close, before we close, what do yeah. you think of the new episode and what do you think about the fact that they changed studios? To, they're on MAPPA now, right? Yes. Yeah, we're, who did the first three seasons? With Studios. With Studios, okay. So I like the look of the series. It definitely looks different. Um, I'll wait and see because from the trailer and whatnot, it looks like it's going to start to shift back towards like the way that it's looked in the past. With Because, I mean, MAPPA is a pretty big studio, right? Like from what I it's, understand. It's a pretty recent comer. It's just pulling up a lot. So of... they're, they're, uh, the other show I'm watching right now, Dororo, they actually did that as well. Yeah. Um, they're using Jujutsu Kaisen. They're uh, doing um, God of High School. Like they're they're bringing up a lot of uh, 
of property. Like most recently, they announced today that they're going to adapt this manga called Chainsaw Man. That's really popular in Japan. Okay. What I will say, I, I think I'm going to hold out judgment in terms of Mappa's involvement in the production of the series until we see a few more episodes. But what I will say is, I think this is a great premiere episode. Um, I'll say know. real quick, the yeah. 2D is great. The CG, it's right. a little, yeah, that, that was a little hesitant, especially on the Beast Titan in particular. Armor Titan, I think, looked okay. Beast Titan looked a little iffy. I'll say that. Much. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, even even in like the even when with with producing it, like the uh, Colossal Titan looked weird. Yeah, it, especially in especially towards the end when you got like him and like full, like you got to see his arms and whatnot moving. Yeah, he definitely did look a little off, but um, we'll see. But if they um, focus more on the two D aspect, I think we should be fine. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Um. But but what I wanted to say is that I've heard you know from podcasts that I listen to, from manga readers that I've spoken with, or that I've seen like talk about it online. If they're to be believed, this series, like they're saying that this could be the best season of the entire series in terms of where mm. the this manga goes from here. Um, some I've I've seen a lot of that actually. It's not just like one or two people. I've I've seen quite a bit of that. So that's what I'm hoping for. I know I've told you this in the past that if this series sticks the la- I've been saying this since since season one probably <laughs> that if this series sticks the landing, I think it will be my favorite anim- anime of all time I think- i'll say i'll say it's top 10 i wouldn't say top 10, okay my favorite I, I haven't watched as much as you so there's you know there's that context to it as well but um i but i'll say i'll say real quick manga readers gotta chill out with the spoilers i haven't spoiled a couple times that, that's part oh. that's part of what motivated me to stay off twitter because i was afraid of listen up. We, gotta, we, we gotta uh anticipate armin becoming the colossal titan in, in the season yeah we haven't seen him follow Berthold. yeah we haven't really seen uh, we saw his titan eating Berthold, but we haven't actually seen the transformation post and yes, yes and we know from like the posters and whatnot that he's still fighting fighting with the troops as if he's you know still part of that regiment so like i'm interested to see how his character sort of is built into like you know how aaron's character was built into the regiment a certain way where he was the focal point of a lot of the missions i'm curious to see how armin's character plays a role as being a troop but also being a titan and what that means for the story moving forward and also with the fact that with the other like there's this thing there's nine titans to focus around so it's aaron of the attack titan mm-hmm. any of the lady titan mm-hmm. Colossal armored beast. Mm-hmm. Um, that weird, I think they're calling him the cart titan, the weird horse one, the, with the one long with face. Four, the one with four legs, right? Yeah, with the four legs. Like yeah. he's in uh, the, the, the one that we saw in the first episode, where he, like, he has like a white skull. Yes. And he has like, like a lion's mane. That was a brand new one, right? We hadn't brand seen that. Brand new one. Before, yeah. And there's another one that's all white and, and holds a hammer. Yeah, we I saw that in the trailer. I think they do give a quick shot of that in the trailer, right? So yeah, there's intrigue into how they pair off in terms of action mm. but also the people behind the titans as well yeah yeah there there's a lot to look forward to this season I, i'm really excited do you have any other closing thoughts that you want to touch on mm, no that's everything i'm really looking for i think gabby is might be my favorite episode or character gabby. so far the yeah. new ones she's gabby, very fun I, yeah she's really funny um i love that moment where she goes out into the no man's land basically um <laughs> uh closing thought i'll say hero yuki sawano is still the goat of this series and maybe the goat of music in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll bring us to a close for this episode. I, I think we'll probably talk about the episodes moving forward, similar yeah. to what we've done as Mandalorian, maybe less yep. spoilery territory. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll continue to talk about this. Series also, the, the person we saw at the very end of season four, part one was John. Oh, with like the with the hat. He with the hat. Yeah, okay. okay, gotcha. Uh, that's yeah. what I assumed. It looked. I, I was just basing it off the hair color. But we only saw very little, so I just assumed. I, it was, it, like, I was like, is Kenny still fucking alive? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I assumed it was. Is that confirmed that it's John? Yeah, he's the only one from the main cast that was in the first episode. Okay, cool. But yeah, that'll bring us to a close for this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Sam, let people know where they can find you. 
You can find me on my Twitter at Sam Zero Stone and on my Instagram at Sam Osorio, O-S-O-R-I-O. Find me at Rodside236. As always, please be sure to check out our show notes for resources on Black Lives Matter. Also be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, family. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other popular platforms. Continuing to talk about Attack the Titan in, previous, or in next episode. So come back and join us then.